Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Card is Going to the Change. That's right, AIW's very own podcast. And my name is Alex Worldwide Keller, and I just want to tell you all about one of our great sponsors. That's right, Pollyanna DIY, PollyannaDIY.com, at PollyannaDIY on Twitter, Instagram, and etc. And what Pollyanna DIY has to offer you, they have excellent original wrestling enamel pins, shirts, including the Extreme Roots 91 t-shirt, Checking my hair right now. I have some medium roots. Take care of that in a bit. That's right. They have it all. And wrestling promoters and wrestlers, if you're looking to get into the enamel pin game or t-shirts, Pollyanna DIY wants to hook it up. Now let's take it to the show. The reason you hit download, the card is going to change. Once again, everybody, thanks for listening to AIW's The Card is Going to Change. Before we get into this week's episode, as always, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors that help us bring the show to you for free each and every week. Firstly, thanks to Angelo's Pizza. They're feeding us here as they always do while we record, and they, of course, bring pizza to you at our live events at Mount Carmel. If you want to try more of their pizza or anything else on their menu, it's all delicious. Head to Angelo's on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, Ohio. And thanks to Smart Mark Video, they record all of our live events. And if you want to relive any of those or watch them for the first time, you can purchase that on DVD or digital download from smartmarkvideo.com. And additionally, head to powerbomb.tv, sign up using the code ABSOLUTE, and you will get a 20-day trial for free. And then stick around and just keep watching the shows that we put out there from the AIW archives. And as always, thanks to Jack Prince, who helps take care of all of our printing and graphic design needs. They can do all of that and more for you, whether it be banners, t-shirts, business cards, flyers, everything and anything. For all that they have to offer, head to jackprince.com. J-A-K Prince.com. That's right, and that voice right there, none other than AIW President Matt Wadsworth joining us here on this episode of the podcast along with AIW owner John Thorne, and my name is Steve Guy, your moderator of sorts. On this episode, we're, uh, we're going to throw it back, I guess. It's not, a, it's not a Thursday, maybe, for some of you if you're listening to it, but the that's okay. W- the Wayback Machine, you remember that website? The Wayback, oh yeah. Yeah, let's do that. The Wayback Machine. Uh, we're going to cover some alumni, some people who were part of AIW. And it's been a while since we did this. It has been, yeah. Probably like almost two years. We it's probably should have researched who we did did before, <laughs> but <laughs> we might repeat some of this. That's all right. That's all right. That's right. I don't think I was on any of those other ones. No, we got no, some new. I wasn't on them. We got some new listeners. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is before you became the moderator. This is before I was a moderator. There was no moderator at that time. I don't think those episodes count. You had a host. Those aren't canon, are they? Yeah, we had a host before we went out <laughs> to dinner. <laughs> and a studio before you got locked out of it. Hey, oh, hey. <laughs> allegedly. So, uh, let's let's start here. I like Glenn. Uh, we'll start with Drake Younger. 
This is the number one you're this going. This is on? number one. I'm gonna go with because I'm looking in at the. I, uh, I'll let Wadsworth take this one. Uh, I'll, I'll let this one. This one gives me a little PTSD sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, for you, uh, Drake was one of the best dudes ever. It flat out, he was even pre uh, PMA Drake. He was always there. He was always excited to be there. Uh, we had him. I think when we first brought him in, he was actually the the CZW champ. Uh, not yet. No, no. Or was Hel- it just before Hell on Earth three? I think was his first show. That was his first show. Hell on Earth three. Because we did we did him and Vince. Which yeah, actually was, was a, a highlight in a dark era for uh, for AW. Yeah, that was uh, that was a couple months later, I believe. Um, but uh, Drake was always Drake. One of my favorite memories about him. We did um, when we had to do AR Fox and ACH, the thirty minute Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. We did that, and because uh, Apollo Cruz was supposed to be in it, he got hurt, so AR Fox replaced him, and it ended up being just this blow away match, probably the best one we had seen AC- at that ACH point. ACH replaced them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, that's right. ACH replaced uh, Cruz. Ooh ha! Nation. Um. And Drake was in on that show. That was that was shortly before I think he got signed. Yeah, that had to be one of his last. It was one of the last runs. I think the following Absolution was his last show. Yeah. Um, but he had come back. He had been gone for a while because he had been out in California. He had come back, and they sent me Biggins flagged me down and sent me in to do this big promo kind of spur of the moment to to put over the match and put over. And I went in there and I just talked about it and talked about, you know, this is why we enjoy wrestling. And, and when you have people ask you how you still watch it. And Biggins used to call it the Ian speech. The he, Ian he, speech. He loved, <laughs> he, loved those, he loved those Ian Rotten, Ida Bay Mid-South uh, <laughs> impromptu speeches after a good match. The, you're going to be a, go be a star. Ian. Yeah, that's, those were his exact words. He flagged me down from the door. I was sitting back. He said, go, go give an Ian speech. Go give an Ian. So I went out there and I talked about it and, and put them both over. And the funny thing is at the time, I think uh, – Air Fox was the bigger name, so yeah. I didn't even talk about him too much. I talked more about ACH because he was up and coming at the time. And I went backstage, and I just feel all of a sudden I feel this grip on my shoulders and that distinct Drake voice. Of, oh man, that promo was great. That thing gave me goosebumps. I love it. it makes me want to just go out there and do it all over again, man. Good job. And it was, <laughs> you know, I'm just some commentator, and this is a guy who's been all over the world. So it kind of it meant a lot that he took the time to to put that over and to to tell me how great it was. Uh, it's kind of crazy because uh, we saw uh, different, uh, I guess, incarnations of Drake Younger over the years that we used him because we used him for several years sporadically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when he first came in, you know, he was just like kind of like this young up and coming guy. Who was you know he was doing CZW and he's doing IWA Mid South and he's doing some other stuff and he's building a name for himself, uh, and he was just this like the most positive, coolest dude ever. Uh, his first night in, he actually wrestled me in the Necro Butcher, which that was a fucking terrifying experience for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure I've talked about it before. But uh, he he was like, yeah, I'm gonna give you. Uh, I'm going to give you a Drake's Landing onto a shopping cart. And I'm like... Which, for those unfamiliar, most of you probably know it as a vertebraker. Yeah. Which, in and of itself, is one of the scariest moves, I think, in professional wrestling. And I was kind of like, hmm, what should I say here? Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, sure, cool, let's do it. And, uh, yeah, that was brutal. That was probably a dumb dumb decision for me. 
But uh, Drake used to come in. He would come in like days early and just like hang out. And, uh, you know, like he would, you know, drink with us. And, you know, we would have like he would come to house parties around that era. Uh, and he, he was around a lot. Um, and it's kind of crazy because, you know, then we saw Drake, uh, which is kind of well documented. Uh, Drake got really bad into like drugs and addiction and stuff like that. And we saw that Drake. The, the dark days. Yeah, very... And uh, for those people that weren't around him then, like they were, you know, it was it was scary. It's like, it's it's like what you see on like a you know like a, a documentary or something, you know, of someone like right before they die. Like that's that's where Drake Younger was kind of at. And uh, I'll never forget we were at a bar somewhere. It was my it was my birthday party actually. Um, he he had stayed over for my birthday party or something. We were at a bar. And uh, nobody could find nobody could find him, and uh, we we're like, oh, you know, maybe he went back to my house and went to sleep or what. And uh, Biggins found him passed out, face down, in a pile of snow in the middle of December, oh like totally unconscious. And Biggins was trying to wake him up, and uh, he woke up and he thought it was time for him to go do a run in, and he thought he was at a wrestling show. That's <laughs> like he was totally out of his mind. Uh, it's funny, but not funny. It, yeah, it was, you know... It, in, I think it's funny in retro... It's one of yeah. those things that's funny in retrospect because you know where he's at now. Right, you know right. what a good place he's at now. But and, it could have easily, like John was saying, it could have easily gone the other way. Right, and, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, you know, he's from that era where it did go the wrong way for a lot of those guys that were doing death matches and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, it, it got to the point to where we didn't even want to book him anymore because uh, it was just... Uh, you know, it, it was just a different, different guy altogether, right. um, and not the guy that you know we became friends with and the guy we enjoyed being around. Like, uh, there was a long, long stretch uh, between Drake Younger bookings, and uh, I, I, I credit to like him. He just picked up his life and he went to California to probably get away from whatever was bad wasn't going on in his life, and uh, you know he cleaned himself up and. Uh, started like I, I think he just took all that energy and started you know working out and you know keeping himself busy so he didn't have idle hands and uh, totally just like did a 180 and like and not only reinvented his wrestling career but just like reinvented his life altogether his personal life as well as I didn't say it really was a, a case where I think both from a wrestling standpoint because he he stopped he never swore off death matches he never he was always very vocal about the fact that he wouldn't bury deathmatch wrestling or deathmatch wrestlers, right. but he wasn't doing it anymore. And he moved up there, and it really was, when he moved out to California, a personal reinvention to go along with the, the wrestling style. Because he, at this point, he had gained a reputation. He was just another deathmatch guy. He was yeah. he was a pondo. He was a, a necro butcher. He was one of these guys that just did violent style. And he went out to California and said, no, I can I can wrestle. And he worked with some really really impressive names out there and sh and hung with them and showed that he was capable of it yeah and totally just reinvented himself and that's when uh he wasn't like full-time like he was but we brought him back a, f a few times mm -hmm. uh during that era and uh it went back to be you know the guy who we remembered that was uh a pleasure to be you know to be around yeah and you know he had, he had stopped drink he didn't even drink anymore he's he 100 stopped any sort of you know, altering substance uh, whatsoever, and just totally like cleaned his life up. Which you know, uh, some you know some people need need to do that, and uh, it's obviously worked out great for him. And you know, now 
here he is in the WWE. Yeah, I was gonna say we uh, we still get to see him every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've we've seen him uh, when NXT rolls through town, and uh, you know it's awesome. He he actually got to you know appear on WrestleMania this year. Something I'm sure he never in a million years thought would probably happen to him. I think he was uh, wasn't the last time we were at NXT. Wasn't he getting yelled at, or we were getting yelled at because we were talking to him? Yeah, yeah. We were trying to break it down. He's like not doing it. He's just he was getting yelled. At. He was yeah, so excited. Yeah, he was getting yelled at because you know the refs got to do all the ring breakdown and stuff like that <laughs> in WWE, and yeah, uh, we got him in a little bit of trouble. It, it's funny, like every NXT show, you know, like uh, Biggins and I would go to him all before, and uh, you know he would always like talk to us from the ring and stuff like that, <laughs> and like uh, crack these inside jokes. Uh, you know, his favorite thing was uh, not even at an AIW show, at a mega championship wrestling show. Him and Josh Prohibition and Biggins just went out as fans because he was in town for AIW and there was nothing to do that night. And uh, they went out to the show and uh, who everyone, AIW fans would know as uh, Jerry at this point. Yeah. Uh, he did some angle out there. Uh, and uh, at, at that time, he was he was wrestling by the name of Soda Pop Johnson. Yeah. And... Uh, he like flipped a table and like made this huge mess. And every time I see Drake, even though I wasn't there, but I would always be with Biggins, he'd be like, Biggins, remember when Soda Pop flipped that table, man? And he would just start laughing hysterically. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Drake's just, Drake's a really good dude. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, things have worked out uh, in his favor because he was definitely on the path to some very unfortunate news, I think. Well, if nothing else, we've got the lasting legacy of uh, it's absolution, baby. <laughs> yeah, he loves saying it's absolution, baby. <laughs> he walked in. That was his last show, absolution. He walked in, and all day he just kept yelling it. You'd hear it throughout Turner's Hall periodically. Well, I've got the uh, the car is going to change research department feeding me names that people ask about here. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> our, our next one, in case you guys want to see a photo, uh, Archibald Peck. <laughs> this... This Marchi is a, Archie? Yeah, Marchi Archie. This is a 100% a, uh, a Biggins, Biggins guy right here. Uh, this was, uh, there was a time where uh, Marchi Archie, Archibald Peck, was probably like one of the most talked about indie guys going. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. Um, and uh, he, was, he was super over. And that was at a time where, you know, there was a, all these different companies like creating these stars and, you know, we were trying to grab as many of them and bring them to Cleveland as possible, and he was definitely one of them. Um, I don't know how many times he was in. He was in a few times. It was a few times. The it, the one that stands out to me is I think he was in. Was he in the first Jaylet? I, yeah, I think so. I know he was in Jaylet. I I believe it was the first year of Jaylet. Yeah, he was in a Jaylet. Um, he was in. Uh, I know he did some scrambles, I think. Yeah, he did like this weird absolution angle where he did a like, uh, or no, Mary, he was like a special guest referee for Marion Fontaine and Colin Delaney. Fun. That's why I was like, I associate him with Colin for some reason. Because he was doing like an MMA gimmick and we wanted that to be a surprise, but yeah. he wouldn't do the MMA gimmick for whatever reason. So it was like, uh, yeah, it was like a weird, uh, weird thing. He was like, he was. I don't know. I wouldn't say that me and Marchie Archie were buddies at all. He was a, a, he was a he was a weirdo. I remember. I don't even remember why. But for some reason, like he didn't shake Biggins' hand somewhere, and like Colt Cabana laid into him so bad. Uh, 
and I, I can't, I, I don't know why. I think maybe he just didn't see Bing and Sands. I don't, I don't know if it was intentional or not. But uh, I remember Cole Cabana just like laying into him, like for not shaking his hand. And uh, now, uh, I'm, I think it's common knowledge he's a WWE writer now. Yeah, that's. I every now and then I'll see people who legitimately don't know that I'll see somebody ask on Twitter, and I'm like, he's he's writing for WWE, and they're like, wait, really? And I can like, I can confirm that. Uh, I've been informed by the powers that be at SmartMark Video that he has purchased current, recent AIW events. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, so I don't know if that's supposed to be out there, but whatever. He said, hey, why is, why is Marchy Archie behind your shows? What's ha- what happened to that guy? <laughs> I said, oh, he works with WWE. Yeah. Don't seem to be any similarities in any sort of storylines whatsoever <laughs> in the last yeah, I don't couple know. years. Yeah. You know, I don't... I would have had Becky Lynch be a heel, too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's working out well. So our uh, our next person. Yeah, I, have, I really have really nothing to fucking say about Marchie Archie, I, man. Like I, he's a guy that I remember being there. I, like I said, I associate him with Jay Lit. Yeah. Uh, I associate him with Colin. Nothing overly, not even as a knock against him. He right. was only in a handful of times, and it wasn't anything oh, super I'd, memorable oh, for me. I remember something that happened when... Uh, Chikara did a double header with us at Turner's Hall. Um, this is like right when we first started coming to Turner's Hall. I'm almost positive this is him. Uh, uh, this is when they were like, we were really kind of like on like trial basis with Turner's Hall, and uh, <laughs> you couldn't br- you couldn't break any chairs, couldn't couldn't touch any tables, and I'm pretty sure Marchi Archie just like fucking destroyed uh, a bunch of chairs during a Chikara match at Turner's Hall. Uh, I remember the show. I was at the show, but I don't... Someone's going to have to do some research on that and find the Chikara show from Turner's Hall and see if March Archie just fucks some shit up because I'm almost positive. And maybe that's why he didn't shake Biggins' hand because I think Biggins fucking screamed at him uh, for for breaking a bunch of chairs and almost costing us a venue. Uh See, this is why Bingens needs to be around because he has impeccable memories on any oh, thing. Yeah. He anyone that ever pissed him off or in specific say, detail. The grudge aspect for him to ever of it. be slighted, yes, he would know exactly. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm almost positive if anyone could figure out uh, those. I, I think it was only one Chikara show that happened at Turner's Hall. Yeah, I uh, only remember the one. Was it was it? either a Chikara show or Beyond show. One of the, one of the two. It wasn't an AIW show, but he destroyed some shit. And uh, man, Bingens was fucking pissed. I'm I'm almost positive of Shakara show. And in case anybody couldn't figure it out, he's being called Marchy Archie because Oh, they know Steve. They know. His character was a marching band guy. Well, we got some newer listeners, newer AIW fans. Marchy Archie, man. Uh this our, shit was over. Our next alumni being shown to me right now. I, I don't think you need a photo. His name is Paul London. <laughs> See, I can't this is there was about a ten month window when I wasn't around and that was the Paul London. Oh, look at you guys fucking uh uh Paul London. Uh I, <laughs> there, there's not a lot to say about Paul London, honestly. Um he was this was when we were this is like he was on the Jaylet before the Jaylet when we did our own TPI, but we called it something else that uh, we we're got, not allowed to discuss. We're not allowed to discuss because we received a lawsuit over it. Oh, um, but uh, Paul London was like the big name, you know. Like there was a period of time where, like, you know, there'd be a name, 
and uh, Paul London was it. And like, it was a split with somebody in the Virginia area and he drove in, I believe he drove in with John Kerman and Sonjay Dutt or something along those lines. Um, but it, I mean, Paul London was a cool dude. You know, he wasn't, he, he like, I don't have any weird, I don't have any weird Paul London sort of stories or anything like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I have nothing. I have nothing to say about Paul London. Well, all right then. I think you know. I'm sure he talked about drugs and <laughs> probably did some allegedly. How this, this next one being shown to me, I I think maybe we covered it. Well, you covered it on a previous episode. I would imagine at some point it was. We'll throw it out there anyway. Claudio Castagnoli. I'll let Wadsworth go with this one. He was, you want to talk about names in, in the early days. Uh, he was, because he was a huge indie name when there weren't a ton of them out there. Yeah. Um, and in the the dark days, again, of AIW, he was definitely a highlight. He was always came in, always did whatever we asked. Uh, I, I mean, I attribute him to like, uh, you know, I know Biggin said this on early episodes of the podcast, but uh, it's 100% like a, uh, he was a, he was a Biggins guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they were, well, was, he I, and Biggins always got along really well. I was going to say, they too, were really when, close. When Biggins passed away. He was one of the first people uh, tweeting, if I remember that. Well, yeah, because um, there was, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, when, right when Biggins first got involved with AIW like on an official kind of hey or not even official but like hey like I want to be officially involved with this right uh it was right around the time Ring of Honor came to Cleveland for the first time and uh Claudio Castanelli was on that show and Biggins was like I want to book Claudio Castanelli for AIW and uh he did like he paid for him out of his own pocket booked him got a hold of him on MySpace I'm sure (laughs) <laughs> because that used to be how you got a hold of all these guys was on MySpace. Yeah, of course. And uh, then uh, from there, well, we booked him a handful of times through Bryce Bremsberg because, uh, you know, this is – even though, like, we had all been involved in wrestling different people for long periods of time, like, the outside of the localized version of pro indie pro wrestling mm-hmm. was still, like, a foreign thing. And Bryce Remsburg started coming to us with like carloads of guys and stuff like that. Yeah, like, he'd bring us a. He'd say, "Hey, I'll come in with. I'll come in with, with like Claudio and Hero and Hollow Wicked and Kingston. Other, yeah, three other uh, Chikara guys. Because they're going out. They're traveling home from IW Mid South. They're they're going to fight sports Midwest or something. You know, something weird like that. Like this is the early Joe Sposto card. Before Joe Sposto. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, like the original Joe Sposto car. Yeah. Before, like, in the idea, yeah, in the idea of Joe essentially loading up like a bunch yeah. of guys from the east, right? Coast, not quite east coast, but and then PA um, JT Lightning started booking Claudio all the time. JT loved Claudio, and uh, he was right he was he, he was even Cleveland All Pro champion for a while, um, and that's when uh, there was like a little dissension between AIW and Cleveland All Pro uh, because Cleveland All Pro got a TV deal at the time, uh, so JT was saying no no crossover. Uh, and he made Claudio the champion, but then Claudio would still, 
like text Biggins, and then we would and always end up like Biggins would get a hold of me and be like, "Hey, do you want to go to meet Claudio at a bar?" Uh, I remember one time, like this is way long before uh, Claudio was uh, involved in any sort of uh, high-profile relationships. Uh, he'd be like, uh, "Do you want to hook Claudio up on a blind date?" And I tried to hook Claudio <laughs> up with my friend Macy, but like she wasn't into it. Uh, I remember uh, I watched December to Dismember with Claudio and maybe Loki uh, at a BW3 somewhere. Uh, It's possible because I think they were both around that same time. Yeah. I can't remember if they were on the same card, but it would likely. That's the same era. But the thing is, is like a guy like Claudio would know me by name but not by sight because I was always with Biggins and everyone remembered Biggins. So like... When I was at the WrestleMania party this year, he was in the elevator. I was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? How are you? And he's like, oh, uh, Claudio, nice to meet you. And I was like, I'm not even going to correct them, man. <laughs> I've known you for 12 years now. <laughs> I'm not even going to correct them. He wanted, he, he wanted nothing to do with it. You know, he's a guy that I think in the current format, in the current era, we do a tons, ton with. Back then, he was a name that we brought in to kind of get a good match out of and, and supplement uh, our guys. Well, and it, it, I don't even know if it was to get a good match out of it. It was more of like, uh, that was from a time period to where like we couldn't afford anything, but we were chasing after the like independent wrestling, like elite hype or whatever you want to call it. Like, uh, because it would be like, if you saw some of these guys on a company that would automatically like put you in a different category, uh, and this is at an era where, like, this is before, like, like I said, there's MySpace, but this is before the social media that we have today, and uh, it you was all by like ads or anything on MySpace. Yeah, and it, it was all by like, I'm gonna look at this lineup on a DVD and I'm gonna buy it because Claudio Castagnoli is wrestling on it or something like that. So that was kind of the whole process then, but like. We're talking like we could afford a guy like that, maybe, you know, yeah. because uh, AW tickets were like $7 then, like <laughs> seven bucks. Realistically, that might have been overcharging for some of the shows we put on. Yeah. So it was like everything was taking a, taking a loss. Uh, and it was like, you know, there were some there's some shining moments in that era, like, you know, Claudio and using a lot of these guys that, you know, went on to be amazing but like a lot of it is just uh it's not good it's you know but i'm glad it's out there because people can go and see the growth and the trial and error uh and claudio unfortunately uh was part of that trial and era era but i think it worked out pretty good for him and continuing with this theme he is also now a full-time employee of the wwe yeah, i was gonna say Case so you are, are, are you familiar. saying that uh used to hang out with claudio at the bar who did you. I'm not. I'm not acknowledging a terrible, that shitty joke. Terrible pun. All right, research has handed me the next name. What do you want to do? One, two more, I think. Whatever. We'll see. We're, we're, we'll, we got to check with the producer for time. Masada. Oh god. <laughs> I love Masada, <laughs> but it is definitely. Uh, it, it is definitely a. Uh, I don't even know how to. I don't even know what the proper word is. <laughs> It is a thing when you have to deal with Masada. You oh, know man. what I mean? Okay. Um, I don't, Wadsworth, you got a Masada because I got to gather I, my you thoughts. Know, he was, I think most of his run was in that same 10-month window that uh, 
He didn't have like a huge run. He only did no, a couple. He did a couple shows, and I think my first show back might have been one of his last ones. Shortly after I returned, I th- he was, I think he returned. Was the last time. I think he returned on the show that you might have returned at. I know he was at one of my first shows back. I think that was because that was kind of my first show, and I don't have any memories of of personally interacting with him. Uh, uh, yeah. so, so okay, here's a pretty good Masada story. Um, I don't I don't know how I oh I met I met Masada at the gathering of the Juggalos uh, <laughs> when I went there with Colt Cabana. That's how I met him, and we ended up drinking all night and just hanging out and talking, and you know we were like on That's, the on the same wavelength. The way a lot of guys got booked in those days. Yeah, it's like we're, that sounds right. We would run into them somewhere and just hang out and be like, "All right, well, I want to hang out with those guys again, so come on in." And uh, <laughs> the first time we booked him, we produced uh, his shoot interview like for him, which Biggins did all the research on, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but it's out there. And uh, he says like a lot of crazy shit in it, but uh, that was you know that. I want to say we we only booked him maybe three three or four times. I can't I can't remember who he wrestled there. I know he did the skewers to fucking Hobo Joe. Oh, um, but uh, the one memory that sticks out to me when we booked Masada uh, is uh, it's we go out drinking after the show and it's like a bunch of guys. Uh, I know Colin Delaney's there and some other people and it's last call, you know and. Uh, we're at a bar where they have like you know off-duty police officers like doing security. Sure. And uh, they're like, "All right, last call." And uh, you know we're talking or whatever. And we're like, "All right, we're getting ready to go." And like the off-duty police car, our police officer comes around. And he's like, "All right, I got to take them, guys." You know, like they do in every bar in the fucking world. All right, it's time to go. I got to take them. And uh, you know, he says, "You got to drink it or we got to go." And Masada's like, "Fuck you, you fucking pig!" And we're like, "Whoa." <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, you ain't taking my fucking beer. And he starts trying to fight the cop. Uh, and Colin Delaney is, you know, trying trying to de-escalate the situation as much as possible. Uh, and it's not working. And, uh, you know, Masada keeps voicing his hatred for police. Uh, and we finally, I don't know, I can't remember who else is there. But we finally get him out of the bar. And then uh, he proceeds to start as hard as he can, start kicking the fucking giant window in front of the bar, trying to cave it in for wanting to, for last call. Um, and uh, finally get him out of that situation before the real, like, before the real police before come. Before on-duty police show up. And uh, I, take him to, I take him to the airport right from there, and uh, we just end up having, like, heart-to-heart conversation about, some, about relationships and girls. <laughs> Uh, there was a that, lot of that in that era for you, I think, too. Just you know, Masada was—he's a—he's a, a deep soul. I'll, I'll say that. Um, and then uh, I saw Masada when we were in New Orleans uh, at WrestleCon. He was fucking hammered, out of his mind. And uh, Grado was with me. This is when Grado was like, uh, "Hey, you want to see? You want to see how many people love Grado? Follow me." And, like, uh, he said something like that. And, like, you know, everyone's, like, putting him over or whatever. And then I see Masada, and we're talking. <laughs> Masada's like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's, <laughs> <laughs> and like, he starts, like, getting in Grado's face, kind of. And then, like, I somehow get out of that. And Grado's like, that guy's real fucking scary, man. <laughs> Why does Masada want to beat me up? Uh, yeah, he's a very, like, he's an intense dude. Very intense guy. 
Uh, if you're on his good side, I, I I would imagine that's pretty good. And I, if you're not on that, I don't fucking know because he is an intense guy. Uh, unfortunately, breaking the theme, Masada not having a full time career in the what? WWE currently. Uh, <laughs> Nothing but, at all. Uh, no, but you oh. can't you can't find some Sunday night heat matches uh, from back in the day. I think Masada wrestling Maven. There was a time where you know Masada is a, is a good wrestler, but I think he is just the fucking insane person. Uh, I love him, but uh, you know I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know, man. You know, like <laughs> it's 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 hard to bring the it's hard to bring the dude around that wants to fight the police officers all the time. That's fair. All right, so we'll end with this, and uh, I'm pretty sure this is an easy one for you both. Uh, gentleman by the name of Briley Pierce. <laughs> Hot young Briley? Hot young Briley. Oh, man. Research has handed me hot young... That's, hot that's young your pick? Briley. That's your pick? <laughs> that's the big the big finish, huh? That was the big finish. Briley? I don't even know how we got a hold of hot, hot young Briley, honestly. It's through his brother. It's. I mean, it's... He, the, he used to come to the shows with with his brother, with Dolph. But, like, uh, I don't know how we started booking him. I think when he got fired... When like, he got released, yeah. Maybe, um, maybe EC3 was like, hey, book this dude. Uh... I think there was a slight relationship because he he used to come around with because I remember when one he, of, one of my memories was before he got fired. Yeah, when they were all signed in the crowd at that one. When show. yeah, they used to always Hell on Earth was always good for uh, Dolph would be there, EC3 would be there because they were home. They were on break basically. They had Thanksgiving off. They had the day after, so they would come to to Hell on Earth, and he came with Dolph. He was under developmental at the time and. Obviously, Ziggler walks in. He went to stop and pay at the door and was blown away that that you guys said, no, no, go ahead and hold your money. You're you're good. You got a contract. That's that's as good as admission tickets around yeah, here. Yeah, contract, contracts get you in free. Do they? WWE contracts only. None of these other fucking bullshit contracts. Oh, okay. No fucking WWN contracts getting you in for free. <laughs> no uh, no great hot young Briley stories, though? Uh no, not not really. I mean, he's like a, he is, a, you know, he's kind of strange. I don't know. He is. He's <laughs> he, has, he has like a weird sense of humor to where like guy, yeah. sometimes like like I, I feel like I'm not smart enough to like understand what his what where he's going. Uh, but uh, he's out there in the acting in the improv world though, doing his thing. The, you know, the interesting interesting. Uh, I guess little fact is uh, Dolph Ziegler's Art of Wrestling podcast was recorded at AIW Backstage whenever that was, like, so many years ago. That is even before the Turner's Hall era. Uh, you know, that was when we were at this, like, little church in West Park or whatever, the Puritist Church, um, which was a fucking... That place was something. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. That's where I made my return, man. Uh, but, you know, the, like, we... T- the, the You know, the big... Uh, Hot Young Briley thing was I know we covered when it happened was uh, when uh, I ran into them on Thanksgiving Eve and that's how Mike yes. Tolar made his comeback and uh, Hot Young Briley hadn't even really been wrestling and had no gear so he the only gear at uh, their parents house was uh, Dolph Ziggler's Lana airbrushed like pleather gear uh, but I've yeah I, I don't really know anything to say about Hot Young Briley he's uh I think he works for Dick House, the guys that do produce the Jackass movies. Right. And uh, I know after he got fired, he was like on the staff for what was that fucking prank show? Swerved. 
on the network. Oh yes. Yeah, he was like he was on the production staff for that. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, he's just a dude, hot young yeah, Riley. He was. I mean, I don't know if this is like the one to end on because there's nothing. Well, there was nothing negative. I do remember actually one memory that came to me of Turner's Hall, and he he's a guy that you know he's one of those guys that I wouldn't necessarily hang out with. I wouldn't you know just. Oh, I've hung out with him. He's fun to hang out. Well, with. no, not anything negative. We're just not catch, on that level. But at the same time, you can catch him at the backstage bar around the holidays. Always, uh, always got a long real wall. Always, sure. always was willing to chat me up. And I remember walking into the locker room at Turner's on one of the shows. I think it's when he had his run with uh, the Submission Squad. Oh yeah, we made him a member of the Submission Squad, and him and Gary J were really fucking about to be a hot tag team. It's a feud with uh, Jock. Oh yeah, Jock he- and somebody. I don't remember who Jock was running with at the time, but that was the big... Hot Young Riley had a big absolution moment. Yeah, he was with the submission squad. But one of those shows at Turner's, I remember walking in the locker room, he was standing there, and randomly, to this day, he's the only person who's ever asked me to oil him up. Like, he asked me, he had to, or it wasn't even oil, it was the bronzer. He wanted me, he, he asked me to get his back. And I was like, I, years I've been involved with wrestling, and I've managed to avoid this moment. Oil and it's up. Dolph Ziggler's brother, of all people, that... Uh, Wasn't even the <laughs> oil master, huh? <laughs> no. Well, you think he's pretty good at it himself. Yeah, I guess. That's true. Yeah, uh, Hi, young Briley's a good dude. I don't yeah, know. no, he was always a good dude. He, and it was, you know... I think wrestling wasn't really his thing. He's wrestling. He gave it a run because he. Yeah, he's still doing it. Yeah, I mean, he does some out west. He's very out. He's very outspoken, like anti Triple H guy. I think. I think he just like when he got fired, he was just like. Well, yeah, he was one of the guys when all the controversy happened with developmental. He was one of the most vocal ones. Yeah. When yeah, he while the Bill Demont controversy went on, he was one of the key ones in that. Yeah, and he gave me some of those stories in in private, which is kind of, it's kind of crazy, but. You know, like like I said, he's kind of also like, you don't know if he's going for a joke or if he's going for like, uh, you know, just telling you a straight story. He's uh, very deadpan at times. He's a deadpan very guy. Much. Yeah. But like, you know, now he's doing a lot with like improv and uh, yeah. auditioning and, you know, sometimes he'll like just randomly text me and be like, hey, check out this short movie I made. <laughs> I'm like, okay, dude. I did watch the one they just put up where the they were robots. He sent me that like two years ago. Yeah, or no, or I year watched ago. that one not long ago on Facebook. There's some pretty pretty good bits in it. Yeah, so he's like he's doing all kinds of stuff, like trying to be a comedy writer, doing, uh, you know, just trying to be fucking way more successful than independent wrestling promoter. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll give you a really good one to to end on then, since that wasn't good enough for you. Um, I just I, I don't got no any good dirt on Hot Young yeah, Riley. It's not a, oh, that's okay. not a big name that people are like, oh man. This will bring it to. Want to hear about Hot Young Briley? This will His bring us to Dolph a definitive, Zilla. a definitive close here. I love Hot Young Briley though. Hot Young Briley's last match that we saw him in AIW was the return of Mike Tolar. What's Mike Tolar up to? <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's a great mystery, man. He's been liking a lot of my Facebook statuses. <laughs> he's been liking those Russell Rager pics on my feed. A lot of pictures with him and the kids. The kids, yeah. He's yeah. being a dad. That's what he's up to these days. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think, I think he got hurt of that jailet, and uh, you know, that was. He that was it. it. It wasn't his run anymore. Yeah, I think I think he got a little too scared. Well, all right. Maybe I we'll did actually I, during that Jaylet. I did feed Tom Lawler info for commentary because I pointed out that he was About he was Tolar? on the same wrestling team as uh, Dolph Ziggler and Gray Maynard from UFC. Oh, okay. They were all part of the Saint Ed's wrestling team together, and Tom Lawler was all proud of himself that he knew it was Saint Ed's without me telling him that part. Well, how about that? 
Well, I think that uh, pretty much wraps it up. You don't this. got another one? Alumnus. You don't got another one? You're going to go Hot Young Bradley, then Tolar, two Ziggler like fucking... Are, yeah, I thought yeah. that would be fun. Two, two Ziggler guys? All right. Let me get research on What's this Who's next? Quick. Dana Brooke? <laughs> <laughs> hangs out at the backstage bar sometimes, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh. Oh, the research department's fed up. They got something else. Research department, really excited. I think we've done this one, though. But uh, we've definitely talked about him on the podcast. Hey, uh, guys, tell me about the Brian Kendrick. Uh, the Brian Kendrick, very good friends with Dave the Potato Dawson. <laughs> very, they, they've uh, they've they've been friends since uh, the the jail at weekend that we booked uh, Brian Kendrick. Uh, you know, he's a good dude. He's another kind of a weirdo dude, like uh, like London thinks nine eleven was holograms and shit like that. Oh. But uh, you know, he's uh, I like him. You know, he's he's uh, been known to like hang out whenever WWE's in town. Still, even though we only booked him. Twice, or you know, I, actually once the one weekend it was or whatever. Jaylet, yeah, he was he was the big name on one of the early Jaylets, and it was our big our big card that we were pulling was that it wasn't Brian Kendrick, but we were bringing back Spanky. Yeah, and what she said, I think WWE owns that, but like whatever, fuck it, because <laughs> uh, we were we were low profile enough at the time to get away with it. I think <laughs> now we would have got a cease and desist, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they uh, yeah he. Uh, I don't know if we ever specifically said he was the WWE uh, employee in uh, in question that uh, was not a fan of Alex Worldwide Keller. I was going to say, I, I heard a rumor that there was somebody he didn't like. Weren't you the there? NW weren't roster. you there? No, I was not there. Oh, man. That was a day. <laughs> I, was not, uh, yeah. I, I went to that show, but not with you guys, and then you guys were out afterwards. Worldwide was, at, Worldwide was on one that day, and Brian Kendrick was not having it i believe that led to a sauce sabbatical that was yeah that was the direct cause of the sauce because frank kendrick looked at worldwide and said i think you should leave <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i like brian kendrick he's like you know he's one of those guys like uh, that's you know uh they're really rare to find these days these like old school independent guys that were like a part of the initial independent wrestling boom, you know, in late, you know, nineties, early two thousands. I think yeah. he started in 99. Uh, and you know, he, he's one of those weird guys that was a part of that growth of it. And also, you know, saw success from it and went back and forth. Like, I would love to know statistics on how many times he's been hired and fired. It has to be the most it's ever up there. It has to be the most ever. Cause like, he was, you know, he even had like a run in the Memphis developmental in like 2000 or something. Yeah, early on, and then he, uh, after that didn't work out. He then he was the, like, then he was back on the Indies. Then he was in Ring of Honor. Then he was like the naked Spanky, the streaker guy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he said like, he has had a wild career actually, uh, but he's a good dude that like to talk to. He's like is knows everything like about wrestling like it's in it, he's like an encyclopedia of wrestling yeah, i feel like he would be a guy that like you just put him and biggins in a room oh yeah yeah, and yeah that yeah, just yeah. goes on for hours yeah it was uh yeah he's a good dude i really i really liked brian kendrick uh i was in fear that brian kendrick would no longer like me after uh he saw worldwide throw his him own his own body down a flight of stairs in a Four star hotel. It was to impress him, though, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't think it had the desired effect. If that's what it was going for, like, but uh, Brian Kendrick was going to get him booked somehow. But uh, yeah, Brian Kendrick and Dave the Potato, good friends. That's crazy. Do you think that Dave the Potato has sold Brian Kendrick a car? 
No. No. Here's the thing about Dave the Potato. When you send Dave the Potato on the pickup mission, he's storing that phone number. Oh, and, yeah. Hey, and he's, uh, you know, he's keeping in contact. Hey, Arn. Happy birthday, Arn Anderson. <laughs> you know, he's one of those guys. Well, I think I think that's a good end note right there. That yeah, there we go. We haven't done this alumni one in a while, so yeah. Sorry if we had any repeats, but uh, you know maybe the stories were new. So I there think you we go. avoided it. I think Drake maybe we've covered we've covered some of Drake yeah, before, but otherwise we've definitely talked about Drake throughout I've, many episodes. You know, I, uh, I I I've probably forgotten so many good memories of these guys. You know, it's probably my CTE, but it could be uh, Biggins. Like Biggins, that's the thing that he was good for. He knew every fucking detail on every single dealing with every single person on the planet uh that we ever dealt with uh and it's hard it's kind of hard for me like to fucking spring some of these memories up like not young riley i don't know i got nothing dude that's, that's why certain somebody was getting blasted about owing a debt for so long marchy archie no <laughs> different different guy the fed uh well that's going to do it here for us on this episode of aiw's the card is going to change hopefully you enjoy this alumni episode uh, like we said, it's been a while. Uh, we'll potentially do more of these in the future. We'll see. Maybe we'll wait another two years. But uh, for President Matt Wadsworth, AIW owner John Thorne, my name's Steve Guy, and we'll talk to you next week, everybody. Dave the Potato's going to text you guys on your birthday if you're in the WWE. <laughs>